0: Hello, Prestige Heads, and welcome to American Prestige. I'm Danny Bessner, here as always with my friend and comrade Derek Davison, and we're here to give you an update on the latest in the Gaza war. Derek, what's happened since yesterday? Uh, Well, the Israeli response has continued. Um, uh,
1: There's still some fighting, I should say, uh, in, it sounds like at least there's still some fighting in these areas of southern Israel that that Hamas infiltrated on Saturday. Um, I'm hesitant to say it's still going on because, uh, you know, obviously it depends on when people uh, actually listen to this, but at the time we're recording, it sounds like there's still some, uh, cleanup work going on, uh, on the part of the Israeli security forces. They're not entirely, uh, haven't entirely driven Hamas out yet. Although for the most part, um, I think Hamas and, and I, when I say Hamas, I mean Hamas along with Islamic Jihad and other, uh, smaller factions in Gaza. I'm just using Hamas as shorthand. I should also say that. Um, I think the Israelis have mostly driven Hamas out or Hamas, the Hamas fighters have uh, retreated of their own volition back into Gaza uh, with prisoners in many cases. Uh, the death toll um, as the Israeli bombardment uh, continues is now up over 1,300 total uh, since this began. That's about 800 people in Israel, uh, around 500 people in Gaza. Um, The Israeli military is still massing forces around uh, Gaza's security uh, kind of frontier barrier uh, or what's left of it. They have talked about imposing a siege. Yoav Galant, the Israeli defense minister, uh, announced that they were cutting off um, electricity, fuel, and water to Gaza. Um, This isn't a whole, this isn't much different than the, the steady status quo in Gaza, I should say. But they are making a concerted effort to cut these things off. Um, He's talked about uh, human animals in Gaza, which is uh, the kind of rhetoric that does not bode well for for what's about to come. Uh, It sounds like everybody in the Israeli establishment is full bore into a massive retaliation. Uh, On uh, as, as we're recording this on Monday, there are reports of a massive what's what's being called a massive. Uh, casualty incident or a mass casualty incident uh, in a uh, market in a refugee camp in southern Gaza uh, from an Israeli airstrike. Um, I don't have uh, any specific details as to uh, just how massive the, the casualty figures are uh, but this is the kind of thing that you're probably going to see more of because there's really only so many. I know the Israelis like to say they they focus on military targets. There's really only so many military targets to hit uh, in Gaza and everything is very packed together. And so uh, even if they have intentions uh, of limiting themselves to military targets, they are going to hit civilian areas like this. And I, I suspect that the intention does not really match the rhetoric. Um, there have been reports of fighting uh, in northern Israel along the uh, Israeli-Lebanese border uh, shelling primarily, although the Israeli military did say on Monday that it had uh, foiled or thwarted some sort of infiltration of fighters from southern Lebanon. Um, Palestinian Islamic Jihad claimed responsibility for that attempted infiltration, uh, and then and now there are. Uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff flying around on social media, so uh, I don't want to go too far with it. But uh, there, I have seen reports of uh, Israelis, helicopters firing on targets in southern Lebanon. Uh, so that's something to keep an eye on. Although, again, there's no indication of mass mobilization or preparations for any kind of mass movement uh, of forces from, for example, Hezbollah uh, or uh you know, any, any, even, even some of the Palestinian factions, Islamic Jihad uh, accepted, I suppose, but they're not a particularly large one. Uh, negotiations are going on about a prisoner swap. Uh, we talked yesterday about the number of uh, prisoners or hostages uh, that uh, Palestinian fighters had taken back with them to Gaza. Uh, the Qatari and Egyptian governments are both uh, playing go-between here uh, between the Israelis and Hamas trying to negotiate a release of Palestinian prisoners. Of course, there are thousands of these held by uh, Israel. I don't know what the exchange rate will be or, or uh, how they'll work out those details, assuming it gets worked out at all. Um, but some release of Palestinian prisoners uh, from uh, from Israeli captivity in return for the, the release of these uh, hostages. I have seen claims From Hamas that a couple of these hostages have been killed in Israeli airstrikes. I don't think there's any confirmation of that, uh, but it's certainly a possibility given the extent of uh, the retaliation so far. Uh, The Egyptians at least, and probably the Qataris as well, but I've only seen this specifically mentioned, the Egyptians are also uh, trying to negotiate some kind of climb down. Uh, I think that's going to be a fruitless effort. uh, The Israelis really feel it seems like uh they're intending on a on a very massive military response but they are at least trying to mediate some kind of uh, a cool down so that's also going on and i don't really have anything else to to say about that as i say i think it's going to be probably ineffective
0: let's talk international because this is we're, we're a little bit in a holding pattern so what have the international response has been everything that i have seen from the north atlantic world has been extraordinarily pro israel um, am i missing anything and could you talk a little bit about that
1: no i don't think so and i don't it's not unexpected uh, i mean you know you have the the odd statement from individual politicians i think cory bush had one in the u.s and uh, uh rashida talib uh had one uh jeremy corbyn in the uk that that uh you know identified the occupation as the root of of this violence but by and large it's been uh you know israel 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 israel's the good guys hamas is the bad guys We're with israel uh the u.s has now started already sending military aid to israel um, uh, it's, uh, moved a, uh, or it's moving, uh, an aircraft carrier group, the, uh, Gerald Ford, Gerald R. Ford, uh, carrier, uh, USS Gerald R. Ford and its strike group moving into the Eastern Mediterranean. I don't think this is meant to participate in any Israeli action in Gaza, but it is probably meant to try to deter something from, let's say Hezbollah, which is probably the um, uh, the, the, the likeliest actor to get involved here outside of, uh, outside of Gaza. It's probably meant to deter something like that, maybe to deter Iranian involvement. We can, we can talk about that. There was a, uh, real barn burner of a Wall Street Journal, uh, report that Iran basically Uh, Authorized this attack that's been uh, heavily debunked since it came out. Uh, So we can talk about that if you want. But I think, you know, meant more as deterrence for anybody else thinking about taking advantage of this situation uh, and jumping into the fray. There will undoubtedly be munitions coming to Israel. They've requested, you know, uh, weapons for the Iron Dome interceptor uh, network. They've requested, uh, you know, uh I, that's the only specific request i've seen but i'm sure they will be asking for for more as they uh start running out of things to to rain down on gaza and, and uh
0: explode let's talk about iran uh so what was that report how is it debunked and what role of any does iran seem to have played here
1: so uh, look, I mean there's no question that Iran is involved anytime Hamas does anything. Uh Iran is probably involved at some level because the uh Quds Force, the the foreign uh, facing arm of the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps works with Hamas. Hamas is a client to some extent so they supply them with uh you know training, arms. This is this is well established uh, that this goes on. But there, th- this report in the Wall Street Journal, claimed that essentially Hamas came to IRGC commanders with this uh, idea of doing something uh, to attack across the security barrier into Israel proper, uh, and IRGC officers helped them plan it, helped them lay it out, and then gave it the green light. Just explain who the IRGC is. Oh, sure, okay. The IRGC, the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, uh, which is a military it's a separate military establishment in Iran. It's it was formed after the revolution. Uh it's different from the regular Iranian military whose legally legal requirement, its mission is to defend Iran, the nation. The IRGC exists to defend the revolution and the the, the revolutionary establishment. Um, so it's it's separate, but it, it gets you know all the, the goodies from uh, the Iranian government, most of the funding, most of the best weapons, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, uh, and that's, the, you know, they, they have, they do more of the, uh, international work, especially through the Quds Force, uh, which is, you know, people may be familiar with that from the, uh, killing of, uh, Qasem Soleimani, the former commander of the Quds Force uh, a few years ago by the U.S. in a drone strike. Um, but yeah, the IRGC is sort of the, the, the main public facing, uh, aspect of the Iranian military. So, uh. They interfaced with uh, supposedly in the story. They interfaced with Hamas and gave the green light. And, uh, their fingerprints are all over this. It's been debunked from from almost every corner. Um, not not in the sense that we definitively are ruling out an Iranian this this level of Iranian involvement, but we see no evidence of it. Uh, the Biden administration has has said it has no evidence. The U.S. government, uh, I should say, uh, more generally has has said it has no evidence uh to support this and you can maybe dismiss that because the uh they're they're fending off criticism from republicans who consistently accuse democrats of you know essentially being uh Shia sympathizers or something I don't know it's it's all very bizarre um uh, but even the israeli military and and israeli political establishment has said they don't see the evidence at least not yet uh of that level of iranian involvement so uh you know I know I know that's been Uh, something that's been talked about quite a bit online. I I don't see uh, much evidence to to support it at this point.
0: Has there been any UN response? Have the International Humanitarian organizations said anything about Israel blockading and sieging Gaza?
1: There have been calls, and I don't have specific organizations, but there have been calls from NGOs to create humanitarian corridors uh, into Gaza to allow food and other things. I mean, you know, that's obviously contradicted by the rhetoric of the Israeli government and Gallant's statement that they are imposing a full siege uh, on Gaza. So I don't, uh, there hasn't been any movement, certainly, to open those corridors. But they have called for that. Uh, I think for the most part, you know, they're staying out of um, any kind of statement on the conflict itself and just kind of uh, calling for, uh, measured response that that protects civilians to the extent possible uh, the u n security Council held an emergency meeting on sunday uh that produced a a number of individual member statements uh condemning Hamas and condemning its actions uh but did not they were not able to to produce an overall uh resolution showing any unanimity on the council i think russia Uh, and China stood in the way of that. Um, uh, um, uh, But, you know, and there was some sort of criticism leveled at at the Russians and Chinese for for, uh, not coming on board. But uh, we've also seen criticism from Chuck Schumer, the the Democratic leader in the Senate, who is on a junket-type trip to China uh, and said he was disappointed in the Chinese response to all of this. I don't know where he... You know, he he feels uh, the right to opine about the Chinese response to anything, frankly, but, uh, you know, said he was disappointed that China hasn't been more forceful in uh, condemning Hamas and
0: supporting Israel. And then why don't we just end? Um, have there been any developments in Israeli politics? How has the Israeli population responded? Is it a continuing rally around the flag phenomenon or is there anything else we should know?
1: for the most part i think in this early going it's been rallying around the flag there's definitely a, a drumbeat of how did this happen how could this government have allowed something like this to happen uh, did benjamin netanyahu or you know somebody uh, in you know below him ignore intelligence that was pointing to a, a major hamas operation uh, in the planning stages um, the the military, the Israeli military's slow response, uh, which really allowed those Hamas fighters once they got beyond the security barrier to infiltrate, you know, oh, I, I, over twenty, I think twenty two was the the count that I saw communities, military bases, checkpoints, you know, all, all manner of things, uh, ringed around Gaza. Uh, partly that was due to the, the Israeli military's slow response time, and and there are questions about. Why it was so slow, and I think the answer is that most Israeli military assets have been moved to the West Bank to support uh, the the excessive policing uh, and uh, raiding efforts that are going on there to defend settler communities, to defend settler mobs that have you know engaged in uh, attacks on Palestinian villages, and all really in support of uh, de facto annexation of the West Bank. And the priority of this government, has been on that rather than I think this is the, the conclusion that uh, people may draw that the this Israeli government has been more focused on annexing the West Bank than on defending Israel proper uh, from something like this. Uh, so you know there are questions certainly circling around. Nobody's acting on them uh, within Israeli politics. This wouldn't uh, you know you wouldn't expect that uh, anyway. Uh, there've been an uh, there've been offers uh from israeli opposition leaders yair lapid uh, uh the uh i don't know if benny gantz the other prominent opposition leader has uh has said anything he probably has but i i just haven't seen it uh but offering to to do a national unity government with netanyahu uh this has come with criticism uh, of the government that netanyahu currently leads uh for its you know uh, lack of professionalism lack of uh, capacity to uh, to understand what its job is and sort of its its extremist uh, settler affiliations uh, so there's been there has been some criticism but it's come couched in this uh let's all you know get on the same page and and uh, form a unity government to deal with what's happened
0: Thank you, Derek. Um, and everyone, we wanted to let you know we have an interview with Rashid Khalidi for paid subscribers coming up next. And we're also going to release Professor Khalidi's series that he did with us on the history of Palestine for free uh, for a week to give everyone a sense of what you could be supporting here. So thank you, everyone, for listening. And we look forward to talking with you again soon. Bye, Derek. Bye. Thanks.
1: Danny and I are very grateful and uh, very lucky to be joined now by Rashid Khalidi, uh, Edward Said, Professor of Modern Arab Studies at Columbia University. Professor Khalidi has uh, written a number of books. We've talked to him on the show in the past about one of them, The Hundred Years War on Palestine, A History of Settler Colonialism and Resistance, 1917 to 2017. Uh, Professor Khalidi, I know your time is is precious today, so I just want to Start off with, uh, I guess, the basic question. What were your thoughts as uh, this extraordinary event
2: uh, on Saturday unfolded? I think we're seeing a paradigm shift. Um, You know, today is Indigenous Peoples Day. We're speaking on what used to be called Columbus. We're talking to each other on what used to be called Columbus Day. And what we just saw was an eruption of the original people who are descended from the original population of the areas of southern Israel where these attacks took place, people who have been penned up in the Gaza Strip for 75 years, Uh, people who have been um, under a siege by Israel since uh, 2006. And the collapse of the idea that you can just ignore the Palestinians and fly over their heads and make so-called peace agreements— between countries that were never at war, like the United Arab Emirates and Israel, or Morocco and Israel, and that the Palestine question will just go away, and people can be walled up and and, and, and oppressed and have their land stolen and be ignored. I think that whole, that whole false Potemkin village that Israel and the United States have erected over more than a generation now just collapsed, uh, leaving aside the specifics of the horrors that were we have seen and that we will unfortunately i'm afraid be seeing around gaza and in gaza something really fundamental probably changed uh over this weekend starting early saturday morning uh, uh, palestine time. i don't know where it's going to go but we are not in the same place that we were uh on saturday morning
0: B- B- professor Khalidi, i le- that that is actually though what worries me because in from a certain perspective we all know that israel is so much more just militarily powerful does this not give an excuse to do basically do terrible things in, in gaza and the west bank i maybe you could talk a little bit about what is the strategic objective of of hamas here and how does this not just result in something truly horrifying
2: well it i'm afraid it will result in something truly horrifying because as you say uh, Israel has unlimited military capacities, uh, from nuclear weapons to 2,000-pound bombs and, and 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 even more horrific uh, weapons that are being used uh, in Gaza right now. Um, the de- the Israeli death toll, which is officially around 800, is probably going to climb. The death toll in Gaza will be multiples of that by the time this. The flattening of gaza has finished as to what hamas intended i think they frankly did not care that their people would be killed and it's not just their people there are going to be the, the overwhelming majority of people who are going to be killed are not hamas fighters they're going to be or even the families they're going to be ordinary gaza civilians who have nothing to do with hamas by the thousands unfortunately we're only as far as I know, around five or six hundred killed right now. There will be multiples of that, I'm afraid. I hope not, but I'm afraid that's going to happen, given the kind of bloodthirsty rhetoric coming out of Israel and the desire for revenge. I mean, the Israeli public is perfectly, understandably outraged at what has happened, but that is going to lead to, it has already led to a kind of a bloodlust. The Israeli Minister of Defense cut off water, electricity, food, and fuel to Gaza and talked about uh, uh, human animals. I mean, when you are using that kind of rhetoric, Yoav Galant, the Israeli minister of defense, um, this morning um, talked about human animals. When you're using that kind of re- rhetoric, you're justifying anything. And we knew that that would happen. They've done it several times before. They're going to do it on a scale we haven't, unfortunately, uh, fortunately, not seen. In the past, I mean, they killed over 2,000 civilians in one, just one of the five attacks on Gaza. Uh, they, I, 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 I expect, I'm afraid that they will kill more. I don't think Hamas cared about that. I think Hamas started from a position of we're dying anyway. Better to die standing up uh, than on our knees. They come after us every few years anyway. Why don't we go and take it to them on their on their territory instead of constantly being the ones who are getting it in gaza i'm not saying that was an intelligent or the right thing to do but i think they understood that it would shatter a lot of israeli illusions which it has now will the israelis establishment come to the right conclusions having had their intelligence uh, shattered having had they, they captured the gaza division headquarters they overran the eretz checkpoint they defeated the israeli army and then they carried out a number of things, some of which were horrific, and some of which were were understandable given the fact that Israel refuses to treat Palestinian prisoners humanely. There are 5,000-something Palestinian prisoners. One of the objectives of this operation, this attack, was to take prisoners who could be exchanged for Palestinian prisoners. And negotiations are underway right now via the intermediary of the Qataris and the Egyptians uh, for the release of israeli women and children in exchange for the release of palestinian women and children prisoners i hope that that will eventuate quickly and i hope that all all of the prisoners all the hostages are returned and that palestinian prisoners are released um people may say well these are prisoners who have committed security offenses um what the israeli army does daily are war crimes those people are not prosecuted palestinians are prosecuted by israel nobody prosecutes israelis Israeli government doesn't prosecute its own soldiers for murdering Palestinians. So there are two unequal scales here. Um, And I think that's the second thing that Hamas was trying to do. The third thing that they were trying to do was to say, you cannot take over a mosque and turn it into an area of prayer, uh, into into an open-air synagogue, which is what the zealots have been doing with increasing frequency in the third most sacred mosque in Islam, around the Al-Aqsa Mosque in the Haram al-Sharif, the Temple Mount area. What 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 was the Temple Mount um, historically? And finally, they are saying you can't continue to annex and and absorb the occupied West Bank into Israel, which this government has been doing even more rapidly than previous governments did. Now, will that will what they have done su- succeed in stopping annexation, stopping encroachments on El Aqsa Mosque, uh, uh, free their prisoners, and so on and so forth? I, I don't know. We, we can't say. Those were their objectives. The other objective was to reinforce a narrative that they have been pushing for a very long time, which is that you have to resist occupation and you have a right to resist occupation, which is not to say that every means used by Hamas is, is acceptable or is necessarily incompatible in with international law. But violence breeds violence. Occupation breeds resistance. Settler colonialism is going to be resisted by the people who uh, whose, whose land, who have been dispossessed, and the people of Gaza, in fact, are among the largest group of dispossessed Palestinians, chased out off of their homes, out of their homes, and their lands, seventy-five years ago in 1948. So, the the, the 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 tragic part of this is that Israeli settlements and and communities on the fringes of the Gaza Strip were were subject to this attack. Those are places where the people of Gaza's grandparents lived, uh, seventy-five years ago. Um, part of what is considered by most of the world, the sovereign territory of the state of Israel. This is a settler colonial project, which has successfully implanted itself in Palestine. But you cannot allow those roots to be forgotten, or you won't understand how it has to be solved by dismantling some of these structures and establishing some more equitable way uh, for Palestinians and Israelis to live together than the Israelis living with swimming pools and, and raves and uh, 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 the ability to travel freely anywhere they want and one of the highest GDPs per capita in the world and Palestinians being treated like animals and living in cages. I mean, the Gaza Strip is one of the largest open-air prison camps in the world. Right across that border, you have a, an, a, another world. That kind of apartheid cannot last. I'm not saying this is the way to break down those walls. But I'm saying, you, you hold people under this kind of pressure for this long, and there's going to be an eruption. Professor, I want to follow up
1: on on that and and you know, the last bit of your your answer because I I I want to get your characterization of some of the responses that have that that I've been seeing and that I know you know uh, have been out there from, I think ostensibly people who are quarters that are that are sympathetic to the palestinian cause but it always comes with a but and and in this case you know uh, i'm sympathetic to the palestinians but this isn't the way to go about uh resisting occupation and it's it, it always comes from people who have never spent uh, you know a day under the conditions that people in gaza spend their you know at this point we've got people who have spent their entire lives who are uh, you know 17 years old who have never known anything but the blockade um and so I, I just wonder, there's, there seems to be this feeling that the Palestinian cause is fine as long as Palestinians are noble victims. But when they fight back, that, then it becomes a problem. And I'm, I'm curious if that's a sense that you've gotten and, and what you make of that.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's the best of the responses we've seen. I mean, talking about the Palestinians of Gaza as human animals is the worst of what we've seen. And there is, there is rhetoric in Israel and the United States um which is horrific and racist and people who are saying what you're saying essentially don't understand history um algeria was not liberated just because the algerians were very careful to only fight against the french army they attacked civilians now that is those are violations of international law uh international humanitarian law but algeria would still be a french colony if the algerians had not violently in some cases quite brutally resisted um, french settler colonialism. you could say the same thing about ireland and and for that matter northern ireland by ireland i mean the liberation of of the southern parts of ireland in 1921 22 or what has happened in the north Uh, From during the time of the Troubles. When people tried to march in a civil rights march in Dublin in 1972, British paratroopers shot them down. When Palestinians tried to carry out nonviolent protests during the first Intifada, the Israeli army shot them down. So you can tell people, die as noble victims until the cows come home. Um, And I will support you. But the moment that you take up arms... Against the people taking up arms against you and using daily constant violence against you, I won't support you. Those are people who don't understand history. Those are people who are not really supporters of Palestinian liberation or of justice. They're essentially cementing a status quo, which is unjust and unsustainable. I mean, you have to go back and read Fats Fanon. You have to go back and read people who really understand what colonialism is and what settler colonialism is to understand that the violence of the oppressor produces violence which is not necessarily measured and that may be something that should be condemned in a certain and sp- if we talk about international law for example but somehow international law only applies to one side here so if shooting unarmed civilians is a war crime what is bombing unarmed civilians if not a war crime And I'm not saying the one justifies the other. The point is, people who say this don't seem to be saying anything about the imprisonment of children or or the shooting of innocent civilians day in, day out. Over 200 Palestinians were shot dead in the West Bank in the last year, almost one a day. I don't hear anybody complaining about that kind of unmitigated, unrestrained violence for which there is never any accountability. Um, I I would love to see a nonviolent uprising that that changes the status quo. Palestinians tried that twice, actually. Even the second intifada started as demonstrations. The Israeli army fired millions of bullets until people finally fired back in the second intifada in 2000. So, you know, I, I, I wish that a Gandhi would come along who could figure this one out. But remember, Gandhi was part of an Indian national liberation movement, which included violent resistance. The chief of police of Calcutta, was subject to six assassination attempts, the British chief of police by people who were not Gandhians. And Britain left India not just because of Gandhi, but also because Indians from the early ni- uh, early 20th century up until 19, uh, Indian independence, 1940s, were fighting. them. I'm not saying Gandhi was wrong, and I'm not saying fighting is right. I'm simply saying that colonialism necessarily breeds violence. Settler colonialism breeds what you could call the return of the repressed. You can push them off the land, but (laughs) unless you uh, entirely eliminate them. Some settler colonial projects succeeded in eliminating enough of the indigenous population in North America, for example, in Australia, that it was not possible to have that kind of resistance. But everywhere else in Kenya, in South Africa, in Libya, in Algeria, and today in Palestine, uh, they haven't killed enough of the native population to prevent resistance, and in in many cases, violent Mm -hmm. resistance. That's what you get when you violently take over a country and dispossess its people. It is inevitable, historically inevitable. There's never been an instance of that not happening. The Irish did not, the Irish uh, uh, during their their, their War of Independence, they were engaged in parliamentary politics, they were engaged in boycotts, they were engaged in all kinds of nonviolent resistance against British imperialism, but they were also killing British intelligence officials. They were also ambushing British patrols. And later on, the IRA was guilty of all kinds of attacks against civilians uh, in the in later phase. Um, and that's one reason you finally had a peace process in Northern Ireland. It wasn't the civil rights marchers. The civil rights marchers were gunned down by British paratroopers. And that was the end of the civil rights movement, of a nonviolent Gandhian civil rights movement. It did not end because the Irish said, oh, this is a terrible idea. Let's pick up the gun. It's because the people who had already picked up the gun and were a tiny minority in, in Ireland in, in nineteen in Northern Ireland in 1972, were left as the only people who looked credible. Uh, Hamas looks credible to many Palestinians, not all of them, but to many Palestinians, because the alternative has, has proven itself to be a monumental failure. Negotiating with an occupier who refuses to take his boot off your neck is not going to work. And that's what the alternative tried to do. And that has failed comprehensively. Uh, which is one reason why Hamas did what it did. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, count on the Palestinian Authority and its current uh, constitution structure uh, lasting for very much longer. I think things are going to change in Palestinian politics as a result of this as well. I mean, there may be many changes. There'll be changes in Israeli politics too. This is one of the greatest intelligence fail- failures in modern history, the defeat of the Israeli army.
0: Yeah, it reminds me of 73. It's worse than 73, this is yeah, not a, it's a, you could those were two regular yeah, you could see it and we could change say what Danny? sorry so, no 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 I, I was just saying you could you could see you know how that basically ended ended the labor period in israeli history i could see this ending in some senses the the Begin to netanyahu period but i, I mean my, my anxiety is unlike algeria or unlike the, the raj i mean this is the Palestinians have been so oppressed for so long that this might just give Israel the excuse to to to, to ethnically cleanse effectively. And I was wanted to ask you about what do you think? What do you think about the American response? It just seems like everyone has just lined up one hundred percent behind whatever Israel decides, and and how are the how is the Palestinian diaspora dealing with that? How are, are Palestinians dealing with that fact that the empire is just totally behind Israel? It seems no dissent, even from really left wing, quote unquote, people. Well, a couple of things. First of all, the empire has always been behind Israel.
2: Israel is a is a creation of Zionism, of course, the Zionist movement, and of individual. Uh, Israelis, but it's the creation also of Great Britain and the United States. It would not exist without the Balfour Declaration and the British Army crushing the Palestinians in the 1930s. It would not exist today with the power that it has, and with the ability to ignore the Palestinians and step all over them, but for $4 billion in American military supplies, which are being used today to massacre Palestinians. The planes that are being used are our airplanes produced in American factories, paid for by our tax dollars, as are the helicopters, as are the bombs, as are the 175-millimeter guns, as are the 155-millimeter guns. Those are American weapons. We are killing Palestinians. We, are we, the United States government, the American taxpayers, the American people, have been engaged in a war on the Palestinians. That's one of the arguments I make uh, in my book, The Hundred Years' War on Palestinians. It's not just an Israeli war on the Palestinians. It's a, a Euro-American war on the Palestinians together with Israel. So there's nothing new in this. And the, uh, the second thing to say specifically is what actually happened in the um, day, first day or two of this Hamas offensive attack, whatever you want to call it, involved some absolutely horrific massacres of civilians. I mean, and that had a, has had an impact. I mean, I know two people who who who, who have Israeli friends who were killed. Uh, I, I have also my, my, my niece's family in Gaza is having is being bombed. I was on a, a, a show this morning, and the, the Raji Surani, the human rights lawyer there, was talking. And as he was talking, the building 800 meters away from him was destroyed by Israeli bombing. And you could hear it on the broadcast. The, 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 he said, my house is shaking. That's why I can't talk right now. So we're not hearing the, the Gaza side of it. We're hearing the Israeli side of it. And it is horrific. Uh, as, as far as the, the killing of civilians is concerned. And so one can understand a, a reaction. I mean, many people here have family in Israel. Many of my students have family in Israel. And so that part of it is understandable. I, I'm uh, sad to say that when the pendulum swings in terms of casualties and the five or 600 Palestinian killed rises to 1,500 and 2,600, and heaven forbid, 3,600, um, sooner or later, there's going to be a, a, a reaction to that globally among the same people who are now cheering Israel on and saying you have every right to self so-called self-defense. Well, self-defense doesn't necessarily involve massacring women and children, which is what is happening and will happen. Um, as Raji was talking uh, this morning uh, on the show that I was on, um, he was talking about numbers of women and children killed in, in Jabalia camp this morning or this afternoon uh a uh, uh, palestine town that's going to go up and up and up and up and up and and i i think the politicians might not register it but sooner or later the media has to uh, and that will you know it not not that this justifies that but we will see hopefully a little more sense that well maybe some of these things that were committed in these towns and villages were war crimes but what israel is committing on a, in fact in in fact considerably larger scale with our weapons and our money are war crimes
1: Rashid Khalidi, I'm gonna. We're gonna let you go here. I know again, your your time is uh, pressed certainly uh, today, and we thank you so much for coming on on short notice and uh, giving us this time. Uh, we uh, are uh, huge fans of yours, obviously, and your work, and and just we're uh, incredibly grateful to uh, to get you on at this moment to discuss this. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you, Derek. Thank you, Danny. I, I appreciate the opportunity, and i i I just I just want to stress that you know resistance against occupation and resistance against settler colonialism are legitimate whatever the means that are used often they're they they're horrific means but it's legitimate and and that framing cannot be allowed to disappear from the discussion you, you just isolate what happened 48 hours ago and it looks one way if you put it in any kind of historical context it looks and should look quite different. That's it. That's it.